Welcome to Mondo and Friends. My name is Mondo Fresco. Today, I am here with another friend of mine, a world-renowned chef, the man behind the famous Kogi trucks. Ladies and gentlemen, Roy Choi is in here. Roy, what's up, man? How are you? It's been a long time coming. You know, we've been talking a lot on on, uh, Instagram and stuff, and I'm glad to be here. Yeah, man. You know what? We... You may not remember this. Um, there was a, a like a, like a wine and and like what is it? Wine LA or something they used to have in in, in downtown right. LA. The one right there by the the Walt Disney. Yep. Yeah, thing like they blocked the whole street. Yeah, it was so, a wine and food festival. So we initially mm-hmm. met there, and man, I want to say, Roy, this must have been, man, maybe like. 2012 or something like that yeah yeah um and then just throughout the years we've connected at different places and events yeah last time i saw you you had uh the hot cheetos pop-up that's right right. (laughs) that was for three days yeah that's a that's an old part of myself i i was trying to do those things because uh like I'm, I'm trying to move beyond that stuff now. But like I was, I was doing those things, like the hot Cheeto pop. I just wanted to have some fun, and kind of take, take this snack that's so like ubiquitous in our neighborhoods. Yeah, and just like kind of put like a healthy twist on them. But um, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. And now you know you you got broken bread. You yeah. have your your brand new show, which we'll yeah. get to in a little bit, man. Which is trippy because that the the whole core and value and concept of like broken bread is attacking those type of snacks as well you know that are infiltrating our hoods you know so it's cool i i you know it's like all over it's growth it's growth yeah (laughs) yeah man so i i want to get into you have said food is all about Mm. connection yeah tell me a little bit about that well you know i think that food is the place where we can truly come together and let down our guards. No matter where you're from, no matter what your perspectives are, no matter your social, economic, whatever area you come from in life, I think it's the place where we can all really, just really kind of be kind to each other and open our hearts and let, you know, again, let down our guards and be with each other. You see that throughout the world. Yeah. It's just we here sometimes in the United States don't value food as much as other parts of the world do, you know, Um, because, you know, America is built around this capitalist system of just go, 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 push, push, push. Yeah. The thing that got pushed all the way to the bottom is food. You know, like think about think about like just how we look at food sometimes, you know, as, as a country and how we value it. We, we make it sometimes the most, the least valuable thing in our life. Fast, 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 go, 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 eat in your car, move, 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 yep. uh, microwave, frozen dinners, fast food. Everything has to be immediate right now. Just, and it's almost not just that, but it's also the, the nuance behind it. I'm just eating to fill my stomach. Yeah. I'm just eating to survive. I'm just eating to get to the next thing. I'm not eating to enjoy and to slow down and to stop 
and to appreciate and to nourish. And those are, you know, those are really, really different perspectives. Towards I like, you know, like around the world or in other countries, they they just some, sometimes stop, you know, like for like three hours and just eat, you know, whether that's Spain or France or Thailand or Singapore, Korea, uh, Ecuador, Argentina, Mexico, yeah. you know, they just stop, you know. Um, things are more important than just the grind, you know. So that's why I think food. We are a young country in here, and you know, we've had a very uh, checkered past on how this country was built, and we're constantly pushing the envelope of innovation, which is great. But I think now that talking about growth, yeah, I think that collectively we can we can now confront and start to grow as a society. We've mm-hmm. accomplished all the other stuff, you know. Like we're the leaders in creativity, we're the leaders in business, we're the leaders in, in tech and all tech, that, yeah. everything, you know. Like we know we can do, you know. But like, let's just take a moment and find that balance to where we put value in food again, especially within our our educational systems, uh, raising our public school systems, you know, um, uh, you know, putting accessible fruit in uh, organics and, and nutritious food throughout our neighborhoods, you know, and make it cool, you know, yeah. like, um, you know, I want to see, because on one end it is cool right now, right? It's like food is hotter than sneakers, yeah, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's, hot, it's harder to get the food or into a restaurant than it is to get a sneaker now. And the way that the culture is around sneakers is kind of around food, like, Wherever you go, if you travel, if you and I travel, the first thing we're going to do when we land in a city, what are we going to do? We're going to look at what, what the top restaurants are, yeah. where we want to go eat, where yeah. we want to go grub. That wasn't the case. Like if you and I were kicking it 15, 20 years ago, you know, um, at the same stage of our life right now, that wouldn't be the first on our list, I don't think. You know, right? We would have been digging for something, you know, whether it was records, music, shoes, drugs whatever uh, you know it does you know it would have been a totally different thing food would have been an afterthought right but now food is number one do you know, you know you know dj vice yeah so i Vi- did his taco thing so uh shout out vice yeah What's yeah up, shout out to to my brother vice so yeah. vice uh he was i think he was our second guest this uh-huh. season and vice that's that's what we talked about we're yeah. foodies i'm a foodie yeah. myself and i love to cook as well he was talking about how he goes through Instagram mm-hmm. and Yelp and he just favorites a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Even before, if there's a city that he hasn't been to, mm-hmm. he'll favorite stuff. So eventually when he shows up to a certain oh. city, he already knows where he's going to go eat. Oh, because he's curated yeah. his, his own list. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, that that's one, we've taken that first step. So I want to, I don't want to be only negative. I, I think that we're progressing and I, I think that's, one big step we've made in the last, you know, again, let's just take 20 years, right? From the 2000s to now. I think we've progressed a lot where food has moved itself up to be a foodie, like you say, right? Uh, To be uh, something that is cool, you know, something that people seek, you know, because seeking something always defines culture, right? It always defines like art and stuff. So people are seeking it out. So that's one thing. And I think that's great, man. And now I think it, it we it's time for the next stage, 
You know, that's been going on. That's been building for 20 years again. But now it's the next stage, like where we start to make food valuable. You know, that's that's just that's what broken bread and everything that I represent is about, like to move it from just experience to 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 weave it into like our value systems. Yeah. You know, like when you see stuff like that's unacceptable, you know, you know, look into why there's no grocery stores and produce within our neighborhoods, you know, and um, why do we constantly, uh, why do our heroes are um, like we opened up with the, the Cheetos thing and I'm growing and I'm trying to grow. Uh, but why do our heroes, our, our, our rap stars, our, our musicians, our favorite artists, they're, they're, I know they got to get the bag. Right. But they're, they're, they're perpetuating all of that fast food to their fans and For their sure. followers, you know, um, because all I see is them repping things like McDonald's and stuff like that. So what if those rappers, those stars, those artists represented organic produce? You know, right, right. like that, that's what I guess where I'm leading towards, yeah. you know, that's the next stage. You know, that's that's what it's about, because then because they're going to be cool no matter what. And their fans are going to follow them no matter what, For whether sure. it's a bad bunny or, you know, whoever. Or um, Saweetie. Or right. Saweetie or, you know, Travis Scott. Right. You know, pre uh, World, But uh, yeah, it's just uh, um, they're going to be cool no matter what. Fans are going to listen to them no matter what. Right. Put your put your brand, leverage your brand on the line to do something that's right for the people, you know. Roy, as as someone who mm-hmm. who loves, 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 loves to cook and mm-hmm. you guys can co-sign, right? Yeah. I'm always <laughs> talking about food. I'm always talking about like I, I send I say I send my team uh-huh. pictures of what I'm cooking. Oh. We're <laughs> <laughs> like, "Yo, check out what I got on the grill." Uh-huh. Um so you mentioned organic, uh-huh. right? If I'm buying uh, cilantro or organic cilantro, mm-hmm. is is there a difference? There is, um, but I don't want to scare people that are just entering into buying, let's say, cilantro. Right. Yeah. The first step is just buy the cilantro over the candy, you know, or over uh, some chips or something. The chips, yeah, or, or over the over the salsa verde flavored chips right so that's the first step so i don't want to stop anyone from that but then once you get to this to the kind of commodity cilantro you're going to enter another world for yourself right you're going to enter your palate is going to grow you're going to you're going to you're going to feel that love that you feel cooking Mm -hmm. right it's going to be something that becomes very invigorating then you can move to organics and the difference why is once you pass that cross that bridge to the next bridge is there is a problem with GMOs and monoculture farming within this country. Um, the controlling of seeds, uh, which is, you know, it doesn't sound like something that is that, uh, detrimental, but it is because if right now there are only about four to five corporations, large corporations that own almost half the seeds within the world. If that becomes five corporations that own a hundred percent of the seeds in the world, they will control everything that we eat and they can modify and engineer those things to make us do whatever they want us to do. It's like the conspiracy theory of fluoride. You know yeah. what I mean? You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, it, it's a dangerous thing. So 
but not only to ourselves as humans, but also to the planet. Because the way that that commodity, monoculture, GMO, cilantro is grown is usually grown with chemicals. It's usually mod- the seeds are modified, the soil is modified and polluted in a way that that cilantro will produce the exact same quantity in the exact same amount every year, right? Mm. And it will be durable. It can last through anything. There's no thought of growing it to make your life better, to make your mouth sing, or to to give you more nutrients in your body. It's only grown to make sure that there's as much profit and yield as possible, and that it will last through a snowstorm, you know, a heat wave, a hailstorm, or anything. Wow. That's dangerous, right? So the next stage is organics where things are supposed to grow wild. You know, they're supposed to, it's supposed to be regenerative soil. You know, we're not supposed to poison the soil in order to grow the fruit. And, um, and that's what we're trying to get back to. So there's a whole, there's a whole, uh, community of seed protectors and farmers that are fighting every day. That's why it's really important to support local farmers markets, um, you know, the, we got the internet, right? Yeah. So to research uh, seed protectors, um, to read the back of labels, you know, to ask questions. It's okay to ask questions, you know. It's okay to, you know, these these are these are good questions in life, you know. Um, just take a look at what's behind there. And, you know, again, what I like to do is not guilt people into things or make absolute decisions. You don't have to go from, you know, eating chips and sodas to be like, okay, my, you know, I'm a disappointment in life and then I have to change everything overnight. Nah, you know, take steps, little steps. And then and then educate your own self, like turn the box around, read it, and just ask yourself, look in the mirror, ask yourself, if I can't understand, you know, 80% of what's being written here, you know, how does that make me feel? You know, and if, if, if you don't get then you don't that's whatever, yeah. you know, and maybe you'll get the, uh, get to the place where you do, but just start to, start to question things, start to look at things, you know, that's the basis of punk rock, that's the basis of early hip-hop, you know, yeah. like, it's question things, you know, question what's being given to you, you know, because sometimes what's being given to you is not in your best interest. You know? True. Sorry, man. That started with a question about cilantro. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry about that, y'all. <laughs> Roy, sorry. I just wanted to know if I should buy organic. I yeah, you just like yo, or regular I... cilantro. <laughs> that's my bad. <laughs> no, I love that though. I love mm-hmm. that and. Um, you know, it, it makes me mm-hmm. and, you know, just the guys in here already, uh, a light bulb turns on yeah. and, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's like organic, mm-hmm. uh, farmer's market mm-hmm. may be a little pricey, a little pricier than just, yeah. but if, if there's health benefits and uh-huh. it also benefits, um, I'm, I'm assuming like a smaller group. Yeah. And it's not that much of a difference, especially when you're dealing with like fruits and vegetables and stuff like that it's like sense right. difference right and um it but the the reward is tenfold how you feel what it does just think of it like you're, you're supporting independent artists right coming up right right you know uh you're supporting you're supporting art creativity struggling artists 
uh, young artists that are trying to make it. This is what you're doing by buying organic, by buying from regional, local farmers markets. You're supporting independent art. You know, right? And if it's like farmers market, it's like direct uh-huh. to consumer. Direct to consumer. Then, then that becomes like fan support, right? Then, just again with the music metaphor, because I, you know, I know your music. Uh, it, it, it. Then it becomes like you supporting directly your favorite young artists or independent artists directly to their website, and and the mo- there's no middleman, and the money's going directly to them, for them to be able to give you the music and the art that you want, right? You know? And that's really that same through line with buying at the farmer's market or buying organic. Yeah. It's like buying beets. It's like buying beets, yeah. Get that? You guys get that metaphor there? <laughs> yeah. I'll, let you, I'll pause for that. <laughs> um, all right, Roy, I want to get a little into you growing up sure. and up until where you're at now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to take it back. I know, you know, in your early 20s, you got into some trouble. Yeah. Um, and I I think it's it's really inspiring to see your journey, your growth um, for throughout your 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 life, your career, your uh, everything that you that you've done. Mm-hmm. How does how does one a a a kid, you know, at 20 years old. Um, mm-hmm. Go from that to, you know, being a, a, a successful entrepreneur, chef. Mm-hmm. What do you think at, at that point when things change for you, what do you think impacted you mm-hmm. the most to, to make that to make that switch, to make that change? Well, I think well, one part of it, the funny part is I just can't believe I'm still alive right now. You know, I've been around a minute and... Uh, I ain't going to reveal my age. You can look that up on the internet, but, <laughs> but I've been around a minute, you know, I've been around, I've seen, I've seen different decades and different generations. And I, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just amazed. I'm still here and I'm still creating and I'm still doing things. And through those, through those years, um, again, it's, we're going back to the word growth. It's about growing, you know, um, you have to be willing you, first, you can't be embarrassed or ashamed of who you were at a certain point in life because you just didn't know any better. And sometimes you're just going through and you're growing, you're doing things. Um, but I think through those journeys, you have to be open to certain signals. You know, I believe in, I believe in the universe st- type stuff. You know, like I believe in signals and moments and and breakthroughs. You know, and the change happens when you can you can see those things and and accept them and absorb them and do something about it you know it's really hard sometimes to cuz the safe place is to be the same you know what i mean like to dress the same as you did back when you were 20 to talk the same to 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 be as tough as you were or whatever you know it's like it's it, it, the scary thing is to grow you right. know um but what I can, if it's if it is advice, is it may feel scary, but that's when it feels scary. That's when if that's when it is right. That's when it feels right, you know. And so when you get to those places where it feels scary, like you're like you're going like you're going away from your safe space, and that um, if you're being constantly because 
the reason why I say this is because if these little transitional moments, if you're thinking about it and feeling it and contemplating it, and if it's tapping you on the shoulder, that means that's the time. Maybe a year before or two years before, you're not even thinking about it. If you're wilding out doing crazy shit. Right. You know, or you're being stupid and ignorant and whatever, or you're just not lazy, you know, lazy yeah. or you're just not getting up off your ass or whatever. You're not even thinking about that. That transitional moment is not even there yet, right? So you don't even have to worry about those stages, you know? Um, it's when those things start to knock on your door, your your spiritual door. Then if you don't answer it and you don't acknowledge it, then that's where um, you're stunting your growth, right? But the in-between stages are, are, are going to happen regardless. So it's just acknowledge and be open to those moments where you're actually realize like let's say it's a lazy moment because i've been in the lazy i've been a couch potato for years you know i've been you know i've been a stoner since i was 15 years old you know and so i i understand i empathize with you i understand wherever you are in life whatever place you are um i've been an addict i've, I've been a gambler i've been a up i've been everything you know so if you're lying on the couch and you haven't moved and it's like literally the only thing you have to do is turn on that light and you can't even do that. But then it, if there's one day where you actually think about it and it actually says to you like, it's time Roy or it's time Mando to turn on that light. Yeah. You know, no more. It's time. You know, every other day is just, it's just, ah, I ain't going to do it. <laughs> but if there's one day where it feels like it's like, stop, around that's the moment sees that you know uh you know it's like whole, your soul speaking to you your soul speaking to you. It's the world speaking is that whole carpe diem stuff you know it's like seize that then go to the next thing um and those for me have been the those transitional moments of growth like uh uh you know i've gone through these you know gambling is one example i uh spent four years of my life really Spiral, spiraling down a hill um, on losing everything, burning every bridge around me uh, through gambling and uh, alcohol and just crazy stuff here in LA, clubbing, just being fighting on the streets, being stupid, being silly. Um, and there was one day I woke up and I, it just, everything's, everything hit me and I was like, it's over, you know, and I've been able to kind of like shift on a dime and acknowledge when, when things are talking to me, you know? So I just got up and I, that's when I started to look at cooking as a profession. Man. And that changed. And then I'm not, you know, I don't want to bore you with every stage, but then it changed my life completely, you know? And I went back and through that, I was able to, you know, repair some of the bridges that I burned, um, you know, pay back some of the debts that I owed. And then had a whole career in in cooking and, and, you know, built a life. And then I lost it all again in 2008 in the um, real estate crisis crash, you know. And, um, yeah. and that's when Kogi started, you know. Again, I listened to that transitional moment, you know. Instead of going out and getting another job, I went out to the streets to sell tacos. And I, and I just opened myself up to what was happening. And um, instead of just saying, "Oh man, I'm I'm better than this," or "I'm I'm a professional chef," or "I'm gonna I'm just doing this to get by till I get my next job," um, I realized that this was the the moment everything's gonna change again. 
you know and so just being open to those things you know yeah you know as a yeah. as a korean american yeah. making tacos mm-hmm. were people telling you like no man why are you why are you selling tacos at any at any nah, given i feel time? like it was my destiny i've been i've been that kid my whole life man i've been low riding on whittier boulevard since i was 16 yeah. you know i've always been the always the only chino for miles you know miles <laughs> you know like uh um that's just been something that's why i feel like it was my destiny you know it just took a long time to get there it took a whole uh living life to get to that place but i had always been that person throughout my teenage years throughout my childhood throughout my 20s 30s whatever you know it's like um again i was i was always I was Jenny on the, I was Chino on the block. <laughs> I was always that dude, you know, I was, I, I, you know, Whittier Boulevard cruising Whittier's on the weekend. Uh, I was part of lowrider clubs in Norwalk, you know, um, uh, you know, I was always at the park. I was at car shows in Linwood and Southgate. And, yeah. You know, um, I always been a part of it, man. I was always at the DJ Shows at the, you know, at the sports arena and convention center and like different parties, house parties. So I've always been around it and it's always been a part of who I am. Um, And that eventually became what Kogi became. Right. Where it's not Mexican, it's not Korean, it's not this, it's not that. It just became uh, L.A., you know? Yeah. You know, because sometimes a lot of people that don't really know. They wanna they wanna define things, but for all of you that do grow up in kind of the in between, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up in an era where we were crews, you know, so it didn't matter whether you're Mexican, Puerto Rican, Black, Korean, whatever. It, you you know, we were just we were just homies, we we're just friends, you yeah. know, and you know, you just go out and you know, uh, just have fun, try to hook up, whatever, you know, right. and we just ourselves and that's that's how it is with kogi it's like we're not one thing or the other we're just a product of this our environment you know do you feel like there was a, a connection between the low rider shows mm-hmm. um you know being in having fun in, in mm-hmm. the streets right like yeah. parking lot pimping all that yeah. stuff that that you know at one point you were doing mm-hmm. um having fun with your friends and kogi trucks those were all definitely the, the 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 foundational cornerstones and ingredients to eventually what Kogi became. Because once the taco truck and Kogi and the opportunity to cook tacos, because I had always loved tacos, you know, uh, eating tacos, and I had always been around it again at car shows, in my in my lowrider club at my friends' homes. You know, it's always. I'd always been exposed to it naturally, you know what I mean? So it's just like something very fluid in my life. Um, but when I was in that opportunity to actually make it my, me making tacos in, in my business, all those things were the, the the ingredients that put me in that position, you know what I mean? Because I didn't have to go to the library and research like what yeah. it feels like to make carne asada or what it feels like to touch masa or you lived it, it. I lived it. And so it, it, it became a natural expression. I finally had my own, like um, my own expression. I, it, the thing I struggled with personally in life was 
I never had my uh, a traditional like art form to express myself. I was never really. I've been, you know, a lot of my friends had it. You know, my friends were rapping really early. They were DJing really early. They were b-boying really early. They were drawing. They were they were, they were tagging. They were doing all things really all the traditional forms. Yeah. Um. I just never really had. I could dance a little bit, a little bit. I couldn't sing at all. I couldn't yeah. draw. Right, let's, let's see, man. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, do a windmill. Do a yeah, windmill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I could maybe twenty years ago, but, <laughs> but I uh, uh, I just never had it, and so like, you know, food was my thing. It just took a long time. You know, it's weird. On one end, I wish it didn't take so long. You know, um, but on the other end. I'm okay that it took this long. Yeah. You know? Was was there a transition of what we know of the Kogi taco, it, what it is now? Uh, like, was was there a transitional phase that that taco went through? Did, uh, you, ever, did you ever think, you know what, yeah. maybe I should sell some, um, you know, pastor or, or some carnitas or something? And, and then it became, uh, no, let me do... Like a Korean yeah. style steak on a tortilla. I mean, no, the, the the taco is kind of as it was from from the moment we put it out. You from know, the moment it, it, it was kogi. Yeah. yeah, it was like it, you know we hit it. It was a swish from the first shot. You know, um, but I have to give a shout out to my my team, my crew, and my team and my partners because it all started with this idea. It was like my partner had this idea, he was drunk, he had this idea to put Korean barbecue in a taco because he came from the club, he went to the truck, he ate it, he's like, man, what if we put Korean barbecue in this? Then he called me, I had just got fired from my job, so it was like perfect, everything was like perfect timing. And then he's like, listen, you know, he bought me a coffee, he's like, listen, Roy, like, I had this idea, let's put Korean barbecue in a taco, we're going to park in front of the club, um... You probably remember all the clubs in the last week. This was 2008, so uh, the club we parked in front of was called uh, Green Door and Cabana yep. on Ivar, yep. right there next to the Cinerama Dome. And he's like, "Listen, we're gonna we're gonna go there. We're gonna roll up around midnight. As soon as they get out at tw- 2 a.m., we're gonna kill it." Um, you know, our, our sights were real low. Like, our killing it meant <laughs> making like 500 bucks. Yeah. That was killing it, you know. And but it was like. We were possessed by it. So he told me that. I was like, okay. You know, I thought about it. Uh, I called him back the next day. I was like, let's do it. And as soon as I let myself open up to that, everything just started to flow. You know, it was like a movie. You know, it was like all the images of my life, all the experiences, all the friendships, all the everything just finally had a place to kind of like go into. And I was just, I wasn't even thinking, man. It was, you know, like in sports, they call it the zone. Yeah. Like it was just that. Went to the produce market, went here, went there, started marinating. I start to see the taco in my mind. I was like, okay, it's going to be this. The tortilla is going to be this big. It's going to feel like carne asada. It's going to look like carne asada. It's going to, it's going to have all the elements of, of a real LA street taco. But when you bite it, it's going to feel like the whole car, Korean barbecue experience in one bite. Yeah. Yeah. Like everything in one bite. And um, and then when they come together, the lime juice and the soy sauce, you know, it's it, it's going to be like the ultimate collab, you know, and it's just going to. So all these things were like going through my head 
and then I put it together and then um we it was like around this time in the afternoon we were in Koreatown in an apartment it was about five five of us I made the first like prototype we all just ate it it would have been just like us four right here right yeah and we all ate it and we just like we were just like, <laughs> we were just like what the f we were possessed and it was from there we just couldn't stop we just went out it was like selling mixtape we just went out did it went out and we and we were just so convinced you know we had no idea what was to come but we were just so convinced that's when you know something's right right like where you don't um whatever age it's not just youth it's whatever age you are and youth is you have more of it but it's just where you don't even think twice. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you just just do it. And that was Kogi. And so the whole taco was, um, it's exactly as it was uh, from the first moment. But what I think is so beautiful about the Kogi taco is that in food as a chef and, and when you run restaurants and make recipes, a lot of the times you're always tweaking and evolving or uh, enhancing recipes or sometimes... Recipes become old and dead and you throw them away, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but there are certain recipes that are timeless that always taste like brand, like a Caesar salad, right? Or, uh, you know, um, a pepperoni pizza. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like there's, there's things that are timeless. And the Kogi Taco, I know that it was like meant to be because it's, it's timeless. Like we're 13 years, 13 and a half years in right now. And every time I eat it, like, I want to do something where I I want to reinvent Kogi, you know, because as an artist, you always want to kind of, like, make things progress sometimes, mm -hmm. right? So, um, and all my other restaurants and stuff, like, I'll go in and we'll tweak the menu, we'll be seasonal, we'll take old items and, and, and re-look at them and remix them and remaster them and, you know, put them back out. But with Kogi, every time I eat the taco, it tastes brand new. It tastes like it did in 2008. It's crazy. Man, yeah. when you talk about the making of the Kogi taco, yeah, it's like poetry, man. Oh, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm over here, like really enjoying just yeah. you talking about it. Yeah, man, it changed uh, my life. Changed man, a lot of people's lives, you know. How many trucks at one point, the most that you've had, yeah, in on the street? How how many trucks have you? The had? most trucks we had, we reached five trucks. We're a small company, you know, the, the brand or the idea of Kogi is big, it's worldwide, but we're just a small company. It, it, there was something along the lines with Kogi, you know, again, we didn't become so spiritual with it from the start. It was just, we were just trying to make money, yeah. trying to serve this food. We had something hot. We were just trying to flip it. You know what I mean? Um, but something about Kogi and the experience of going out and, you know, thousands of our fans, like, coming out to every stop, every tweet. It changed us, you know. It changed me. Yeah. And it just made things a lot more, again, spiritual. And along the way, whenever you, you know, I hope you all have the experience to crack something that becomes, like, a phenomenon. Because it's, it's, it, it's like a river, you know. It's really amazing. And But what comes with that is a lot of, is a lot of bees to honey, a lot of investors, business people, uh, people wanting to, to, to invest in you or buy you out mm -hmm. or all these things, right? You get a lot of offers. And um, I don't know, somewhere along the way, probably in the second, third or fourth year, 
um, every offer, every growth thing just never felt right. You know, it never felt right to sell out, you know, and we just kept it for ourselves, you know, like I think that Kogi could have had the opportunity to be like a, a huge worldwide brand now with like, you know, a thousand stores around the world. And, you know, I don't even touch it anymore. And it's like been sold four times over and all that stuff. But I don't know that it just wasn't that thing. You know, sometimes not everything in life is for sale. You right. know what I'm saying? You know, and uh, sometimes you just, you got to keep things, you know, independent, you know. And so Kogi is independent. It's independently funded. It allows us to do anything we want and allows us to continue to be honest with our followers. And um, it's a family business, you know. And so, yeah, it's great, man. I, 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 so anyways, oh, the question was how big. So we grew to five trucks. And we were like, man, this is too much. So we went back down to three, and now we got four trucks. Nice. You know? Yeah. But it just feels like you guys have more trucks because there's We were just the- trying to meet demand. You know, the way Kogi grew was like we started going out to the South Bay. We started going out to, like, Long Beach area, the Valley, yep. you know, um, here in downtown, you know, and everything. And all San Gabriel Valley, Orange County, and all of a sudden – you know, we just started growing. So it was re- the, really the way that Kogi grew was it was growing neighborhood by neighborhood. So the trucks started to represent each growth pattern of the love we were getting, mm-hmm. you know, from Southern California. Thank you very much. You know, it was anyone who experienced or had been through that era from 2009 to about 2015, you know, uh, if you were part of it, if you waited in line, all the... The growth was trying to meet that demand, you know. Um, well, as- but but we just decided that quality over quantity is better, and we just got it back. Sometimes, and this is something if you're going through any growth patterns in life. Yeah. Again, I just want to tell you that sometimes scale and growth and all those things aren't the only answer. Sometimes it's okay to take a step back. You know, I believe in the philosophy of. Sometimes you take a step back, take two steps forward, Mm. you know. Sometimes, you know, again, quality over quantity means more. And um, not all the time, but sometimes, you know. No, I love that. And um, that that is such a a special thing to to hear um, and refreshing, too, Mm. because, you know, we have a a media company here, Hubwave. We've had offers. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I, I, I've decided to, to keep it, you know, us, our team, yeah. you know, and because it's special, there's, there's a, a soul about it, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's. And there in. may be offers down the road. Right. When you're ready. Right. And when Hubway's ready, but don't, don't sell yourself short when you're not ready, when you're still growing and building, you know, because if you sell it too early, all that growth, all that beautiful poetry and growth you won't have it anymore because you're answering to investors. Um, and the only thing that matters is number one is profit and loss, you know, income statement. When that becomes the case, then the art is gone, you know, and you know, the fun, the fun is is gone. gone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love how you have, you have Kogi on tatted on you, right? Somewhere. This, this, uh, this tattoo actually came from, um, it, it, it came from the early days of Kogi. 
uh we used to go to a lot of tattoo parlors um we park in front again the early days of kogi our food was a representation of our audience you know like uh we were at bars tattoo parlors we're middle of the night you know like we were with the homies man we were with the the culture you know barbershops yeah um you know uh things like that so anyways we were uh parked out in front of a tattoo studio and i decided to do like a uh like it was like our first promotional campaign and what we did was we were we gave away three free tattoos and i would get one too to anyone in line that wanted a permanent kogi tattoo wow yeah <laughs> so there's there are three people out there that have th- permanent kogi tattoos that's amazing from that night yeah if you are out there and you hear this shoot i love him a you DM. yeah shoot, <laughs> shoot me a dm man <laughs> that's that's so dope that's brotherhood yeah. right yeah. there for life um yeah i remember man the first time i i i tried kogi must have been like a uh bigsby knolls maybe yeah in long beach yeah 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 and then um and then the valley a few times I'll tell you, I'm gonna be honest with you. If I see a Kogi truck till this day, uh-huh. I'm stopping. Oh yeah. I'm stopping. Have you had Kogi yet, Fred? Cal State LA. Cal State Fred, LA. Fred's yeah. from from Texas. Uh-huh. And uh he you know, he he came out here for, for college and, and just, you know, decided to stay I, in I remember LA. the era, yeah. We used to go to Cal State LA like every week for it was like a couple of years, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, got, I graduated yeah. So it was like from 2014 to 2016. Yep. 2015. I was yeah. thinking those exact same years. Yeah. 20, you said from 2013? Four. I, I, I went to Cal State from 2014. From 2014 to 2016. Mm-hmm. That's when the, the trucks were out there. Man. Yeah. We're still at Cal State Long Beach right now uh, every Friday night. That's a great stop. We park right in front of the pyramid at, at Cal State Long Beach. Um, I mean, shout out to Long Beach, man. Long Beach, Carson, Torrance, Gardena. They've been. They've been loyal Kogi fans since day one. There's a spot um, that you had at one point at LAX. Is it still in there? Yeah, we had a a, a Kogi truck in the, the American Airlines terminal at LAX for one year. Uh, it was like a one year contract, and then we were and then you could we were gonna see if we wanted to renew it. Um, it was cool. It was cool. Um, all love to the airport, but it was a lot. A lot. It was a lot for me to get in every time to check on it, and um, you know, Kogi's all about speed, yeah, smiles, and extra extra love. Like that's what Kogi's about. It's like we we bend over backwards with huge smiles, giggles, and laughter, and like we and just outpouring of love. And we're just so happy to see you when you come to the truck. Yep. Right? That's Kogi. And then our food is fast. As soon as you order it, like by the time you pay, the food's coming out the other end. And it's just that feeling, you know. Um, <laughs> and at the airport, it, was, it wasn't really that. It, it wasn't was, the vibe. It wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't the vibe. It wasn't the energy, and, and, yeah. And I, and I remember a lot of it. And that wasn't really the fault of the employees or anything at the airport. They weren't our staff. It was the, 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 the staff of the airport. But it was just like... Um, it was this, the huge system that it was in, you know. Airports are aggro to begin with, 
You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like everyone's pissed off to begin with yeah, at the yeah, airport, yeah, yeah. and you know, it's just this like this, this weird like it's a, it's a know, different different culture, different being culture in, vibe, in an airport, and, and, for sure. You know, um, but again, it's just the nervousness and the stress of being at the airport. Everyone's in a hurry. You know that you know it's like it's like traffic on the freeway. You know, everyone's yeah. in that mode. You know, and no one's doing it on purpose. It's just everyone's in that mode and. You know, Kogi's a little more chill than that, and it just wasn't right for us. I like the yeah. the design that you went with. Yeah, it was cool, right? Like the, it, was, the, it was a the, real truck. The storefront mm-hmm. of it was yeah. a Kogi truck. Yeah, it was a real truck. It was a whole truck. We built the whole thing, yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, there was just no engine in it. <laughs> oh, that's dope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I remember uh, The engine was, a, was an ice chest for, for the sodas and waters. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so what, Roy... You know, you grew up in, in Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in L.A. and O.C., actually. I grew LA up in L.A. the first half of my life, and I went to high school in o- O.C., and then I came back to L.A. L- yeah, let's talk about the O.C. So yeah. tell me about Silver Garden. Yeah, Silver Garden was uh, my family restaurant. It was in Anaheim. Um, and, uh, you know, like for, for a lot of, especially Asian immigrants, but I think any immigrant family, food is kind of the the first pathway to entrepreneurship, you know, it's in many ways, uh, one of the only ways you can actually be your own boss. You know, um, a lot of people end up going into food, especially ones where English is not their first language because it's, it's something that you, you can do, you can share with people and that you, that you can do without like kind of any training universal. It's yeah. Universal. Yeah, yeah. And you can bring something from how you grew up and you can figure it out and cook it, you know? And, um, it's also a place where you can go into like mini malls. It can be pretty cheap to go in. And it's not like running sometimes like a, like a liquor store or a bar. You could bring your family in, you know? And like, it, it becomes like a hub, like this hub way, it becomes a hub. So like it, it was a place really where like, a lot of immigrant families could uh, could make it their hub where the kids could come there after school. They, the kids can help. Uh, they can be there all day. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, so I, I was that fat kid in every Asian restaurant you see. And there's like a little TV right there. <laughs> and there's a bunch of little kids running around. Whatever fuzz spot you go to or Chinese spot you go to, Korean spot you go to. Um, and if you see a bunch of little kids running around. You know, um, and they got a little TV tucked in the corner. That was me. That was me. What would you say you learned growing up in a restaurant? Um, I saw, I saw, I saw the 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 beauty and the tragedies of running a restaurant. You know, um, the beauties of like just a full room, people having fun. You know, barbecue, smoking, the smells, people drinking, having a great time, you know. Um, and I've seen where the restaurants are empty, you know, for weeks. And um, your parents crying and bills piling up and lights being shut off, you know, things like that. You know, so uh, it made me aware of things from a very young age, you know. Uh, I also... Um, witnessed hospitality in its first form of like welcoming people, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and, you know, uh, 
serving people, you know, um, uh, and going out of your way and not just, not just being mean and a tough, you know, being mean on tough on the outside. Cause sometimes, especially here in America, it, being kind to someone and extending yourself and taking care of someone. Sometimes it, it, we, we encourage people not to be that way. You know, it's like you're weaker. If you're like, if I bring you a cup of water, it's like, there's something psychological that we're brought up like, Oh, like, you know, now, you know, like Mando's like above me, you know, mm. and that's not the case, you know, yeah. hospitality and service and taking care of each other. It, you know, it, it's, that's what we are as species, as human species, to to care for each other, you know. So I learned that from a very early stage. I learned how to work, clean, you know, prep, make dumplings, fold chopstick, you know, like those chopstick wrappers you get uh, on your thing when you sit down. They don't just happen. Like someone's <laughs> folding that, you know, like so, uh, you know that uh, that all that stuff. Um, other things, soda machines, you know, like I, I was enamored by soda machines. I had full act when you're a kid, you have full access to a soda machine, you know, with like nine guns. Man, that, <laughs> that was great. Do like a little, uh, little remix of like yeah, different remixes all what day. What does Coke yeah. and raspberry all iced tea day. taste like <laughs> all day? And uh, what was the other thing? Um, being a young kid, uh, I was also exposed to like, just like uh, waitresses. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like nineteen-year-old, twenty-year-old waitresses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that would like, you know, uh, they they say in, that would they, be real cool to me. You know, and like me as a young kid, like just, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, it was in, cool, man. In Spanish, we say, "Echarte un taco de ojo." Have uh -huh. you heard that? Nah. Taco de ojo. So a taco uh -huh. de ojo. Yeah. So that's when you're like eyeing, eyeing someone, right? Oh, like, yeah, oh. yeah. Like if you, you know, you see, uh, you know, someone that's attractive, yeah. you're like, oh, aquí, you know, I'm, I'm having a taco de ojo. Uh, but when you're a young kid, when you're like 9, 10, 11, and they're like 19, 20, you're like a cute little kid. <laughs> but, for, for, but, but you're already, you know, as a man, you're already like, you, you know, you want to get with them, you know, like <laughs> as a boy, you want to get with them. But it's, what's cool is obviously you're not going to get with them. But what's cool in that moment to them, you're just a little boy. So they give you hugs yeah. you know, right? <laughs> and you're all that. Dad. So that was fun being in a restaurant, just being around that young energy and, you know, yeah, being the cute kid, you know, and uh, getting hugs and your cheeks. Your cheek squeezed and all that stuff. Yeah, that's yeah, that, that seems fun. like it was, it was a a big part of 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 your life, man. I mean, yeah. something that that you carry up and up until today, I'm sure. You know, yeah, that's a Fam part of my family. my other identity. That my nickname is Poppy. So that's like that was like little Poppy, you know, coming little up. Little Poppy. Yeah, that was little Poppy. Yeah. I, I I was reading somewhere that they call you Wapo, Guapo too. Oh uh, yeah, that was on the uh, the truck lot when I first started. Um, this is some good nicknames to have, man. Yeah, yeah. Papi and Guapo. I know Papi and Guapo. Uh, because like um, when we first started on the truck, like, again, you got to think of like the truck, the Lonchera and Taquero lots here in Los Angeles. Like since the seventies, they never seen any Asian person walk on walk on the lot. You know, this is a a strictly Latino culture here in Los Angeles. You know, and um, 
just like you know with my days low riding they they accepted us and me with open arms you know and but the first days that i started walking on the lot they're just like who the is this guy you know like what's going on here you know and then we come back in the middle of the night just like you know it would be like a cheeching chong van coming back because it was just like with all the energy of like you know thousands serving thousands of people you know on the streets and um everyone on the lot could feel that you know they could feel that 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 vibration you know and uh uh in the lonchera lots it's um it's like 80% women, you know, that are serving and prepping the trucks, you know. Yeah. And so when I would walk through the lot, they just start calling me Guapo, you know. Hey, <laughs> <Yeah>. Guapo. <laughs> so that, that, was, that stuck for a while until it became Poppy. Nice. So it was, it was Poppy first and then Guapo? No, it was Guapo first and then Poppy. And I nice. got both. I had other nicknames when I was younger, but those two nicknames came from the beginning of Kogi. Nice. And they came from the loncheras and the... And, and, the senoras that worked in the truck lots. Oh, nice. Know? Yeah, so it was given to me from the truck lots. What about the the Latino community do you think you connect with the most? Uh, I think outside of food, I, I, I think for sure, uh, the sense of humor. Yeah. I've, I've, been, I've been bagging and talking and telling jokes, uh, you know, with, with friends my whole life, you know? So... I think it's the sense of humor. It's the, just the, the jokes, the way, you know, the not taking life so seriously all the time. And, and just, uh, the moment, the, the little in between moments of just, um, being able to like, just bust on each other and stuff like that. You know, um, I think that's the thing I, I relate to the most, you know, uh, uh, in between taking a break in between, work shifts or whatever and sitting down on milk crates and just like eating and just you know laughing and talking to each other and having fun and just being in the moment you know uh i think for me that's the thing i relate to the most what because a lot of asian people sometimes don't do that man <laughs> you know it's a little more reserved yeah you know? and so i think it's it's that that i relate to yeah sense of humor you know, um, I I remember when I I first connected mm -hmm. with you, right off the bat there was, you know, a lot of different culinary culinary chefs, you mm -hmm. know, in the venue, and when I connected with you, it was just different, man. Oh, it was just like, um, chill. I, I think yeah. I was like, yeah, you know, we'd love to, you know, yeah. connect sometime, and you're like. Hell yeah. Yeah. It Hell just yeah, took man. 10 years though. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It only took 10 years. Yeah, took we made it happen. <laughs> but, it was... um, but you know, that's how it is. Um, you know, the, the reason why I think what you're touching on, you know, and it's not, I'm not the only person that is that way, but every cook is that way. You know what I mean? Like we all just a bunch of knuckleheads back there just having fun, you know, trying to cook good food. But something happens sometimes when, certain cooks become chefs, mm -hmm. you know, um, all of a sudden they, they sometimes feel like they become something important or they have to be proper or they're, or they doesn't stink or, you know, they're not, the, you know, they, they, they're not themselves anymore or whatever. They have to be, 
they're better, you yeah. know, or they yeah. got to be this or that. Um, I don't know. I just never, I, I, I just never, one, I, I, I don't know how to be that. And then the other is I, I just thought, well, you know, wh- why abandon what got you there to, to endear yourself to a whole world that you were never a part of, you know? Cause a lot of, cause a lot of people who are in the kitchen, really, we come from nothing, you know, other, otherwise you wouldn't be in the kitchen, you know? And so then once you ascend to become a chef, that takes you into the upper crust of the world. Mm. Then you're starting to party with people in the Hamptons and, you know, Beverly Hills and this and that. Right. And then, then you feel like you have to become someone, you know, that you never were or whatever. You got to fit in and you got to do this. And so, um, and, and, and not just that, but a lot, a lot of chefs want that, you know, they want the wealth and the prosperity and the, and the, and, and the golf club memberships and the, all those things. And, you know, more power to them for that. But, uh, but sometimes they don't keep it real. With social media being, you know, huge, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's part of our daily lives now. Um, there have been new social media viral chefs. Oh, yeah. That have, have come up. Uh, what do you think about that culture? Uh, for me, it's all love. I love the way things are always progressing. Again, going back to earlier, how we were talking, like, I want food to be culture. You know, 20 years ago, there was no foodie. There was no, you know, it wasn't sneakers. You know, it wasn't like that, right? So now that it is like that, where every TikTok video is a cooking video, is a viral food moment, the thing through the pandemic were two viral food moments were the biggest moments, right? Um, uh, I think one was the Dalgona coffee and the other one was the feta cheese bake thing. And there was, <laughs> there was another one. But, you know, like these things and, you know, um, all the night markets and, and, you know, especially like the younger TikTokers and the younger influencers, like really getting into food and, you know, and all the, the cooking videos and stuff like that. I think it's great. I, I think that any way that food continues to push culture and, and continues to get younger is a good thing. Um, but sometimes very similar like music or 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 art or now NFTs or whatever it is, yeah. starts to become the same, you know, and people start to, to follow trends. And, and, and so it's becoming a little bit kind of saturated now, but um, I'm not going to stop anyone from trying their own thing or getting their own bag or whatever. But uh, I, I, I think it's getting a little saturated now where all the cooking videos look the same. It's like, Slice, slice, chop, chop, you know, different cut shots and all that stuff, you know, and like all that. But other than that, I'm cool with it all, man. You know, more power to y'all. I got nothing but love for this next generation of food influencers. And um, if you ever want an old man like me on with you, I'm here with you. You know, hit me up. There's there's someone that that we had on the show recently who I think, in my opinion, you know, does such an awesome job Mm -hmm. of 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 sharing her culture you talk about like mm-hmm. you know food having soul yeah and and making who making was, it who fun it? jenny martinez okay yeah uh uh on instagram she's uh happy bellies jenny uh-huh and uh, on on uh tiktok she's jenny martinez okay um with two three z's 
And uh, yeah, Jenny Martinez is, is is awesome. She went viral with the um, the quesa taco. Yeah. It was like a a birria uh-huh. kind of quesadilla um, thing. And and um, you know, I I think it's awesome when when people uh, they use their not they they take in their culture, mm-hmm. not use their culture. They they take in their culture. Um, and, and do something awesome. I love it, man. I love, cause food has never been that fresh. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I love that it's so fresh right now. You know, that, that, that's what the influencers and the young artists and the young, you know, entrepreneurs are choosing to use as their expression, yep. you know? And, um, you know, I, I, again, I just love it. I, I, I just love it. It, it. They're doing things that I can't do. And then eventually, as they grow, maybe our worlds could collide where they, I can, I can do things that maybe they haven't reached yet, you know. And I can co- contribute or collaborate or even share knowledge, you know. And that's why I did like the masterclass thing. Really, it wasn't for myself. It was like, listen, I, you know, I've have a lifetime of knowledge. There's got to be a point where I got to give this to the world, you know. Um, doesn't do anyone any good if I just die with it all. And so that's why, you know, I wanted to do the master class, you know, like my friends, you may know them, the beat junkies, you yeah. know, that's why they opened the school, right. To like, teach. you know, to teach this art form that is dying, you know, scratching and beat juggling and mixing and all these things like before in, in the old days, it was competition, right? It was like not sharing the knowledge because I want to beat you. But now as you, as you grow and you've developed the knowledge, you know, it's important to share that so the next generation can take it, remix it, and make it better, you know? And um, that's how I am with food, and that's how, you know, uh, the Beat Junkies are with with DJing. Yeah, shout out to the Beat Junkies, Shout out to the Beat Junkies. Shout out to Babu, Chalk, J-Rock, Rhettmatic. I love Chalk. Mellow D, everyone. Yeah, man. No, they're they're awesome. And and during the pandemic, um, they all had, like, their own Twitch channels yeah. and they were DJing. That was amazing to see. I know some still get yeah, on Twitch. Twi- are the Twitch DJs still around? Is that still There's, going on? Yeah. I remember that was huge in the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still that, going on? A few, a few DJs still are okay. still on, and, and I think it's a beautiful thing. I think the art of DJing um, definitely blew up. Yeah. During during the it was pandemic. food and DJing. Yeah. Food and, food and DJing. It was food and that, DJing. We were, we're all home, right? Yeah. Um, food and DJing, and uh, it, it was it was cool to see the yeah, art. Yeah, the biggest example of that was D-Nice, obviously. D-Nice blew up, even yeah. more so during you the, know, yeah, on Instagram. But obviously that thing, that culture, and he was, you know, he was the head of it, and that, that thing, which just, it just blew up, and, and food, food as well with that, you know, and it, it's so great. I know so a great lot of people see. fell in love with, with their craft a little more during mm-hmm. the pandemic because they started to go back to the roots. I, you know, as, 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 as someone who DJs, um, there's, if, you know, if you're at a club, if you're at a radio station there, mm-hmm. we have a playlist. Yeah. Right. And it's like a menu. Yep. Um, when we were home and we were on Twitch, we could play whatever we wanted and we fell in love with it all over again. Yeah. Um, did you feel that way too at one point where you, you're like, I started, you know, playing with different ingredients and started mm-hmm. cooking different things than what's on the menu? Um, definitely, you know, uh, I, I think cooking wise creatively for sure. Uh, but I think 
for me, what happened in the, you know, and it's just my personal story is that I felt more power and freedom in furthering like Kogi's and broken breads, like message of giving. So what happened deep during the pandemic, especially early when everything shut down, everyone lost their jobs, you know, um, restaurants were closing. Kogi itself was on the verge of closing. We went back to who we were originally, the roots of giving food away, you know, of taking care of people, of driving as far as we need to, to make sure people are fed. And, um, and so it, you know, sometimes you're not fortunate in life to where when you, when you work in something for over a decade and you reach certain heights, you know, it would be like, you know, it would be, I don't, I don't know how to even, it would be like Jay-Z going back down to like a, a battle rap cypher, you know, mm. or something, you know what I mean? Like going back all the way to the root, you know? And um, for us, it was like, for me, it was like that. I got to go back to the root and just go back to being on the truck, going to the neighborhoods, tweeting something out and, and feeding people for free, you know? And there were, and it was like the old lines again. And it was just, but it was new and it just was like, it was great, man. It was like this, this, uh, for me, it was a spiritual creativity of like giving again and a new form of it. You know, it wasn't like rehashing the old way in 2008 or 2009. It was 2020. And, um, and I was still at it, you know what I mean? And I was still, uh, strong enough and, and clear minded enough to be in it, you know, and give myself and give ourselves up enough um, to go back to the to to the love of it, as you say, in the root. Yeah. You know? So, Roy, you, during- there's a lot of a lot of artists who make it sometimes or whatever. I'm not saying I made it. That that's I'm gonna put that on record. But I'm just saying that you've a lot ma- of you've made it, Roy. No, but a lot of artists that make 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 it, they don't go back to the root. You know, sometimes you know because and. It may not be their fault. Like they got handlers, publicists, this, that, yeah. you know, they got a lot to protect, you know, um, they got a lot on the line. They got contracts, they got endorsements, they got this and that. Right. But, um, sometimes, you know, they just can't go back. They don't know the road back. You know, they've lived so far and, you know, and for so long, you know, uh, in, in robes and penthouses, you know, that is, you know, we don't, you don't even know the road back. And so for me, it was really nice that I still know, knew the road back. I don't yeah. know. You know what I mean? I feel like yeah. you're, you're, you're constantly grounded. Yeah. Uh, that's among, a big part of what I believe among in. All the, yeah. the, the, the big projects and, mm-hmm. and all amazing things that you do, Roy, is, is that you're always grounded. Um, and you know, uh, the, the, the culture of the, yeah. Of the taco truck, the culture of food, the roots of it all. I feel like you're you're very I just connected try to, to that. never forget and I just try to always be grounded and I just acknowledge the fortunate ability to be able to walk in both worlds, you know. Yeah. Like I, I could be courtside, but I could also be in the parking lot at the same time, you know. Man. You know what I mean? Like and and that's just a part of who I am. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody, you know, and especially maybe for some that can be courtside they don't want to be kicking in the parking lot you know right um grilling something or passing a doobie left to right you know i mean they don't they're they're just not about that anymore but for me uh that's just who i am 
you know, um, I, I could just flow from one end to the other. It's, it, it is who I am. And, and, and it's not just something, um, that I do for show. It's just naturally, uh, who I connect with and I relate to. Yeah. Know? It's who you are. It's who I am, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, broken bread. Yeah. It's something that, that, that I know is very special to you uh for those that aren't familiar with broken bread what can you tell us about it um well it's it's my first tv show um i have the chef show as well um they both kind of came out at the same time but uh broken bread was the first one is the first individual show you the chef show is you know i i am collaborating with john favreau like and i'm really following following john's lead on that He's the master on that, and um, I'm his sous chef, and I'm there to to make sure that uh, I can support the show and John and the message as much as I can. Broken Bread was a space where I could I could be the host and figure out, and the producer and figure out what I wanted to say individually. Mm. Um, and so naturally, it became about the things that I represent, which is uh, bringing change to the neighborhood fighting for what's right, you know, being an activist, um, and, uh, caring about the people and not ever forgetting where you're from, you know? And so then, so the show is, but the show is not about me, the show, I'm the host bringing you along as a viewer to introduce you to all the people doing great stuff. Yeah. Um, and what we do, the concept of the show is that we identify a problem, whatever that problem is. Uh, in season one, it was things like the criminalization of people of color in the marijuana industry, you know, and and the um, uh, what's the word the uh, the dichotomy or or uh, uh, and how uh, weed and and cannabis right now is so popular and people that are doing certain things now that a lot of people of color were put into jail for twenty five years for, for incarcerated right. for. So then we're looking at issues like that. We're looking at, um, you know, in this season, we're looking at, again, the seed preservation. We're looking at gentrification, the lack of uh, uh, produce and supermarkets within within the hood, you know. Um, and so, so first thing we do is identify the problem. But instead of getting political and being depressing and being too heavy about it, mm-hmm. we're like, okay, Let's take the angle of let's find inspiration. You know, the problem, we all know the problem, but instead of like harping on it, let's find people that are on the ground saying, I'm not going to get waste my energy on arguing about the problem. The problem exists at my doorstep. I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. And it can be small or big. In season one, it could be as it can start at the point with like supermarket and Olympia set of delivering just five boxes of organic produce. Cause that's what she's possessed and believes in, you know? Um, and then that grows into now she's opening the first organic produce store on Crenshaw, probably delivering hundreds of boxes and she's just blowing up, you know? And so it's really documenting people from the beginning of their journey, but also people that are bigger and made it as well. Um, but yeah, that's what broken bread's about. You know, it's about, I call it like good people doing great things against all odds. Um, 
highlighting heroes that are fighting for these values that sometimes the world tell you tells you are worthless you know paying people well providing uh health care and insurance for back-of-the-house workers taking care of undocumented workers that have been forgotten through the pandemic you know um you know yeah those are the important things man and that's what broken bread's about another thing broken bread's about is about pu putting people that look like us on screen yeah you know what i mean representation representation you know and that's not just something we're doing as like a an agenda item it's just naturally by covering these stories that never get covered you're already going to be in a position where the majority of the people that are going to be on screen are going to be people of color because the communities that we cover and the issues and topics that we cover usually affect these neighborhoods our neighborhoods right so um it's really important for me to use whatever influence I have, whatever platform that I have to make sure that I provide space for representation and for these voices to speak for themselves, yeah. you know? Um, and I think that that's important because in mainstream media or in primetime television or in scripted content or in streaming services, we don't really have a lot of shows that are written and performed and produced and directed by people that by people of color right you know straight up you know uh by black people mexican people latinos koreans asians cambodians yep. whoever you know and the way i look at it is if i made it this far it's my responsibility to make sure that i open the door enough so that others can come in you know so that's all i'm trying to do man i'm just trying to pry open the back door of the movie theater, put my, put like a little shoe right there, yeah. let everyone in, you know, um, you know, and that, that's really what it's all about. I think it's a beautiful thing, man, because representation is, is so important mm -hmm. in, in media, mm -hmm. in entertainment, um, in, in, in the culinary world. Um, and, it is know, because a lot of times, the stories aren't written again from the inside out, you know, and we're, you know, we're still in a role, especially, especially for a lot of Asian people in, in entertainment, a lot of, even up until now, a lot of people don't even understand or know anything about Asian people because the storytelling and the stories and the content out there are usually kind of tokenized characters that are written by people that aren't Asian, yeah. you know? And so I think it's important as we continue to grow into the next, especially with this young, younger generation now, it's important to have this representation, you know, and that's what's so beautiful about social media now, whether it's TikTok or whether whatever form, YouTube or whatever form it is, gaming, you know, um, streaming, Twitch, all that is that it, it, it's, it's truly just the real people doing it, you know? Yeah. And, and if you just let that naturally happen, you're going to see the diversity and you're going to see the humor, you know, um, you know, uh, and, and that's what I want to be the bridge for in this, in this more mainstream level of content, what into television, into movies, into streaming services like, you know, Netflix and Hulu and all that, you know, into public television is that we just, 
just have more like more real representation of uh, of what life is really like so that people can start to see each other as f- full human beings mm-hmm. versus living off of stereotypes of who they think we are you know um that's where a lot of the asian hate came from during the pandemic because a lot of people don't know anything about asian people you know nothing you yeah. know and they only have this perception of who we are and that we're sometimes subhuman or whatever you know because we don't speak a lot of our elders don't speak english right. you know and so it's you know a lot of the violence came from that we weren't even human beings in many ways you know but that's all reinforced again by the lack of storytelling the lack of characters knowledge you know, the knowledge uh the characters that they do see are like again reinforcing that stereotype you know like and so yeah this was all about man and so yeah. but, but broken bread is about social issues that revolve around food and and, and you're and you're stuff. everywhere with it man i, I mm-hmm. like all all across you know the states and the world you went to tijuana too yeah well we're trying to grow the show you know the show started first season was very regional just here in los angeles um this season we're going all up and down the state and tijuana um that was our attempt to see can the show become international you know and i think it can you know, it's yeah. it really great. Uh, Tijuana blew my mind, man. I love you, Tijuana. You know, it's like I hadn't been there in a long time, almost 20 years. I hadn't gone back to Tijuana. And um, this time going back, it was very special. I spent a week there. And it was special because obviously going as a TV sh- show, you have people that live there that show you around and they take you to the spots you would never get to as a tourist or whatever. And you and you get to know everyone on a real basis, yeah. you know, versus just, again, uh, versus just transactional. And that was really special, man. I loved it down there. Like, all I want to do is go back and what, what, all I want to do is buy a home in Las Playas in, in Tijuana and just cook shrimp on a grill and drink cerveza and just chill, man. That's all I want to do. <laughs> it's so good down there. When you have that that house mm-hmm. in las playas mm-hmm. you're you're turning your 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 shrimp kebabs yeah you're retired what would you like for your legacy to be um i already know i'm working towards that now because i am you know a little bit older now and i'm i i i have to confront you know what I want to leave this world with, you know, like I'm, I'm a grown ass adult, man, you know, and I'm, I'm, I, it took me a long time to grow up. Like what I'm saying right now is I'm, I'm literally confronting growing up at this, at this moment on this podcast, you know, um, I, I've tried to stay like a kid my whole life and, but I'm, I'm trying to grow up, you know, I'm trying to be a, a, you know, a real adult and, um, but in my own way. And so what I'm trying to do is build a foundation a charity, uh, you know, the, the, the Poppy Foundation, the Guapo Roy Choi Foundation that provides scholarships, uh, food learning, maybe even a center where I can, I can educate and create a cooking school um, that gives, uh, that generates 
income to provide uh, opportunities and investment into the neighborhoods, you know. Um, so my dream, if you're asking me to dream, I can dream as big as I want, as right? As big here. as you want. I want my name to be like those Geffen buildings, you know, that you see around L.A., you know, yep. whatever. Or Omnison, Omnison, I can't even say the name. Omnison <laughs> building, you know. Like I want 100 years from now, you know, people don't even need to know who I am. But I want those buildings and those centers and those foundations to represent taking care of people that society has abandoned, you know. Um, the kids in the neighborhoods that, that are stripped of a lot of opportunities and access to eating, growth, jobs, education, advancement. And I want my foundation to be one of many, hopefully, but, you know, for it to be a, a, a cornerstone into providing futures and pathways throughout South South Central Los Angeles and Watts, Compton, Inglewood, Koreatown, you know, uh, Boyle Heights, East LA, on and on. You know, so that, that that's where it all focuses for me in the next uh, thirty to forty years. I wanna I, I wanna build that shit to, again to be the Geffen level type stuff. I love that. The yeah. Guapo Foundation. The Guapo Foundation, school, learning center, scholarships, <laughs> uh all that. The poppy building. The poppy building, yeah. Yeah. Poppy towers. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I love that, man. Uh -huh. One thing that we call it the poppy pi pipeline. It'll be like a pipeline into into success. I want to bring prosperity and success to to the neighborhoods. And then that would grow that would mushroom not only in Los Angeles, but that would mushroom and grow into, you know, every city. Every city every inner city St. Louis, South Chicago. You know, the Bronx, um, you know, Houston, North Miami, on and on. That's beautiful. A ATL, you know, everything. And it would just mushroom and take care, just like the show, Broken Man, just take care of people. It would take care of us. Yep. And that's what I want to do. Right now I'm doing it on a, on a restaurant and television content level i want the dream is to move it to a more tangible uh level that is actually something people can can put their hands on and say i'm a graduate from this program and that person then influences you know another thousand or ten thousand people or whatever you know so that's 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 the dream that's that's beautiful yeah man. uh you and I have something in common. We uh -huh. have volunteered at a place called Home. I know yeah. you you've you've taught cooking. I've taught DJing. Okay. Uh, to yeah. to the students, to the kids there. Um, and shout I, out to a place called Home. Yeah, yeah, shout out to a place called Home. Uh, the team too. We we've yeah. been down there a few times. Uh, it's it's always uh such a such a beautiful and refreshing mm -hmm. thing to do. Um, we've been down during during the year during the holidays when they. Uh, they bring down snow to the their their event space for, so great so that the kids do your do your listeners know what a place called home is one of the greatest found charity foundation organizations here in Los Angeles in South it's Central, amazing yeah. South Central. it's like a safe after school home center that 
uh, the kids that, that have nowhere to go, you know, can go and be in a safe space where they can learn anything they're interested in from yeah. the arts to sports, to cooking, to DJing, music, to singing, that, music, yeah. everything. And Never a, a lot studio. of a recording studio and a lot of great artists and, and, and influencers provide their time like yourself. Yeah. And so these kids have access um, to do that. And that would be something I would love to have connecting the dots. I would love to have my own a place called home later on in life. You know? Yeah. I think it's, it's a, it's amazing what they do there. You know who used to also uh, help a place called home? Tupac. Tupac, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I yeah. heard something about Dr. Dre and, yeah. and Pac. Um, they they gave money to, yeah. I think, the, the, the recording studio, to start up the recording yeah. studio. Yeah. Um, there, which is, which is amazing. Yeah. To, to hear, you know, stories like that. Um, yeah, so they've, that that center has brought in snow down to South Central, yeah. So that the kids that have never been in snow can play in it, and I think that's that's such a such a beautiful thing, man. They actually um, that center ha inspired me to start mm. my my Fresco Foundation. Oh, okay. The Fresco. Foundation. Oh, so you've had you have a foundation. Yeah, yeah I need yeah. to learn from you. I need to start. I'm about to start my 501c3 and, yep. and get this whole process going. Yep. Yeah. Anything, man. Okay. I, I, yeah. Please, please feel, what feel free to What does the Fresco Foundation, what are you doing with that foundation? Yeah. So we, mm -hmm. we work with inner city kids. Uh -huh. uh, it's a mentorship program. Uh -huh. um, we help everything from uh, showing kids how to apply for a job, how to show up to an yeah. interview, uh, how to apply for college mm -hmm. um, and, you know, grants and, and uh, uh, you know, get money, uh -huh. scholarships, yeah. things like that. Um, we, uh, also like to take, we, the goal is to take, um, the, the, um, the scholars, we uh -huh. call them to take the scholars, um, 18 to, so it's a little older. So it's actually, uh, sorry, 16 to 22. Mm -hmm. We feel like fresh out of high school, people don't really know what they want to do with their life. Yeah. It's a very confusing, you know, time. So we want to get the this the 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 youth mm -hmm. at that point of their life and try to guide them to to find something that they love you know i, I found great. i found mm -hmm. radio when i was 18 years old mm -hmm. um and i would love to to strike that that match you know for mm -hmm. for the next generation That's as great, well man. um so yeah man yeah mm -hmm. whatever you need just just okay. feel free to to hit me up man um the broken bread intro i was sharing it with the guys you sh you shoot it's like clips from all over mm -hmm. and then you're you're in an alleyway it's right here it's right here yeah it's right here literally yeah. right here I, I i paused it i'm like you guys see where, he, where, where, yeah. where roy shot this this is literally yeah um not even a block away from here it's like not even here. it's like literally like just the next over. building over yeah yeah. yeah, man. No, I I love uh, broken bread. I love, you know, what you're doing with, uh -huh. with this this next chapter in mm -hmm. in your life, man. Thank you. And, and speaking of like the show and that title sequence, um, you know, we're just trying to grow as artists. Like I'm trying to grow as a television producer and host, and we're just trying to make something that has like all the different textures and layers of cinematography storytelling 
um, and music. I don't know if you noticed the music in there, but all yeah. the music were very were very pointed and and purposeful with our music. And our composer is Dan the Automator, um, who's been involved with the Gorillas and Deltron Thirty Thirty and uh, Doctor Octagon. So there's this sound to to the feel of the show that hopefully feels just you know it's just like slightly a little bit off center but like you know in a cool way you know hip-hop type of way yeah (laughs) yeah so is this is this your like production company now roy Uh, i don't have a production company yet i i i'm executive producer but the the studio is tastemade and kcet public is a it's a collab between public television and tastemade yeah um i'm growing my next step is not only the foundation, but also uh, possibly having my own production company. That would probably be the next move. You're yeah. doing a great job with that, man. Oh, I, thank you. I, I know you're you're gonna kill it with when when you have that. Yeah. So, um, at the very very end of of our show, we had rapid fire okay. questions. Yeah, let's do it. So we're gonna do rapid fire with Roy Choi. All right. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Now, quick answers, or if you want to go a little into it, you can. Okay. Let's- Favorite Spanish word? Cabron. Cabron? <laughs> that's what, uh, that's what uh, Fred calls. Is that uh, Joaquin's nickname now? <laughs> Three years old. I feel like every time he's on the phone or every time we FaceTime, he's like, hey, cabron. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite piece of tech that you use? Your phone. That's it, man. It's all I use, phone. Yeah. What phone do you have? I got old ass phone. I only like I got to a place in life. So this is the the true hack in life, y'all. I just get for free, man. <laughs> I, I haven't bought I haven't bought for like eight years. So I just go with whoever's gonna give me something. I just use it. You know, this was this is a Samsung Note that, but the program I was on this program where they would just be just like. They would be flossing me with phones like every year, but they stopped like three years ago. So I haven't had a phone in three years. This is, a, so this is like a three-year-old uh, Samsung Note. Yeah. Nice, nice. Shoes, these are free. Everything I'm wearing is free. Nice. Yeah, real bad man. Undefeated. Yeah. So whoever's going to drop something on my doorstep, I'm going to wear it. That's know? how it is, man. You know, mm-hmm. when once you once you have money, you hardly use the money because you get everything for free. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> that's that's the that's the hack, y'all. That's the that's um, the life hack right there. That's the life hack. But yeah, uh, phone. I use I do everything on this phone. This phone is dope because it's um, it uh, you know has the pen. Oh, nice. It's, it's uh, the whole yeah. thing works as like a little. It's like a little laptop all in one. And for me, I'm not you know I'm not someone that has like all this equipment like you have. I. I I'm always on the move and like I'm driving and stuff. So it's like really, it, it really works for me to do everything from this. You know, Nice. So, yeah. Favorite Korean food dish? Uh, it's this dish called kimchi jjigae. And most Koreans are going to say that because it's like, you know, it's like our chilequiles or our, our frijoles or, you know, Whatever it's like, our main th- it's like that main dish that you eat every single Des- day. Describe the dish. It's a uh, it's kimchi stew. That's really what it is. But kimchi it's take, stew. It's it's taking like all the old kimchi. It's like a mole almost. It's like taking all the old kimchi's, combining them together and cooking them really slowly into into a soup 
you know, with all kinds of different vegetables and spices, tofu, and you can put meat in there, pork, and, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like our, our menudo or pozole every weekend, okay. you know, it's kind of like yep. that, it's that frequent that we eat it, and, um, and it's that good to where we, we, we seek it every weekend. I gotta you know? try that. Yeah, kimchi chike. I gotta definitely try mm-hmm. that. Favorite Latino food dish? I mean, it's gotta be tacos, right? Um, but I would say a burrito. A burrito is my favorite favorite thing to eat. You know, there's just something stony about a burrito. You know, like I was talking about this yesterday with Dumbfounded. You know, there's just something like really great about like peeling the foil down, holding it, biting into it. You know, uh, and then just the layers in it. And there's something beautiful about a burrito. I think the mobility of it. The mobility. Is, is, you can walk with it. You can walk right? with you it. Get, you like could, tacos are t- tough too. Yeah, like, eat tough. on the go. You can put it in your pocket. You know. You know what I mean? Like you can eat half of it, and you know you get half of it, and then eat half of it later. So yeah, the burrito is your friend. You know. <laughs> your the burrito is your friend. It's your friend. I love that. Best song to play at a party. Whew. I'm not good at that. Um, you tell me what's what's well, your your favorite song to play. I don't throw parties. I, I have restaurants. I have playlists. Um, and a car. <laughs> what are you listening yeah. to? What's like you're driving? You had a long day. What are you throwing on? For me personally, this is not this is not for a party. But for me in the car, I always go back to dilated peoples. Dilated peoples. Yeah, that's for me. That. Dilated is just like a place where I can go to where it just brings me back to center as far as like, you know, my own party, you know, you know, I just love, I, I just love dial. I love, I just love everything about it. Yeah. And it just, for me is, you know, that's just what it is. Dilated. Yeah. I love dilated by the yeah, way. And what's, you know, what's great is like, what's happened to me in life is like all these artists that I, that I used to be just a huge fan of, like I've become friends with, you know, like we were talking about Babu at, at, at the beat junkies and stuff. So it's been weird for me because like these, not just with dilated, but other things like, you know, when you're a fan, I was a, I, like, I was like this whole thing with Kogi didn't come to me later until later in life. So I had lived for like a certain amount of my life as just, you know, just a quiet person in the ether, you know, out here just doing my thing. So I was always a fan first on yeah. things. I'm I'm a, I'm a true fan. So you guys as fans out there of whoever you're a fan with, I I understand what what that thing is, you know, to be a fan. And it's been weird because you know, this thing with Kogi changed my life that I've broken the fourth wall with every single person I've been a fan with, you know. Yeah. And you probably experienced that as a DJ or as or or on LA leakers or on the radio stations like it's it's tough sometimes because like you sometimes want that space you still you want you don't want to meet your yeah yeah your yeah, heroes yeah. your you idols know, yeah your idols you know and it's it's been weird for me but yeah dilated greatest rapper of all time um greatest rapper of all time lyrically it's Coogee Rap and Rakim, for sure. Um, you know, I'll just stay there. What's the nickname, aside from Papi, 
mm-hmm. and guapo that no one really knows about? Uh, <laughs> I, I was never really good at having nicknames throughout my life. That's why I've held on to Poppy and Guapo. Um, uh, what, what people call? I mean, like you know, people used to just call me Roy Boy, and you know, so yeah, my nickname was always like Roy Boy. Roy Boy. Yeah, Roy Boy. Roy Boy. Yeah. Well, Roy and, then Chi- Boy. and then Chino, you know. Not like that. You know, every Asian that hangs out in the hood, you call Chino. Yeah. <laughs> Roy boy, I appreciate you being here, man. Thank you. My brother, this is your house. Anytime. I'll give you a key. You can walk in, walk okay. out whenever you want. Thank you. Uh congrats on on broken bread mm-hmm. and the successes the successes of of all your projects, man, that you've had um in recent time and and the ones to to come, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate this being here, man. And you know, I hope your your listeners and your viewers really check out Broken Bread. This is this is a show about us. You know, it's about it, it, it's about the culture. It's about the neighborhoods. It's about all of that 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 this all comes from. And um, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised as you watch it. You're gonna see faces that feel like your own circle, your own inner circle. So. Um, you know, and the only thing I want to leave with is that the more that you support programming like this, the more that you can we can make programming like this. Right. You know what I mean? Supply and demand. If you you know, right now, if there is no demand for content that centers around issues that affect our neighborhoods, then they're not gonna make that content. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we got we gotta support it, you know. So that's all. Thank you, man. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you, Roy Choi. Right. Yeah. And thank you so much for watching Mondo and Friends presented by Verizon.